Hey, give God a shout. Can you do that? Can you do that? I'm excited to be here. Been excited for months just to come and be a part of this great church and to hook up again with your pastors, Pastor Steve and Karen. Don't you love them? I mean, I love their heart. And, and hey, what about that worship? I mean, anybody can sing, but it takes somebody that allows God to work through them. And that's what we experienced right here. And we, and we did experience that just a moment ago. But we are. We are excited to be here in uh, the Berlin Church. Second time, lots, lots of times in Germany, but only my, our second time in the city of Berlin. We're ready. We're ready. Hey, are you guys ready? I said, are you ready? Well, if you got your Bible, iPad, smartphone, whatever device you might have, why don't you hold it up, wave it around. Make the devil mad. I want to, I want to, I want to. Amen. I want you to find the book of Romans chapter 12. I'm going to read from that. It's going to be up on the screen in just a moment. But what I want to talk about in the time that we have is organic Christianity. The word organic is a popular word anywhere you go now. And so I, I just took that and I thought what we need and what the church and people anywhere have always needed is a Christianity totally out of the box. Because the moment you put it and you confine it, it ceases to work. God is not meant to be confined. He compared his Holy Spirit to the wind. You don't know where it came from. You don't know where it's going. He compared it to a river, a movement. He compared it to an artesian well that springs up out of its own power. I want to read this because I think it's so fitting. In Romans chapter 12, verse 11, out of the NIV, it says, now listen, listen to this. Look, listen, 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 listen. We've got the thing up on the screen. Yeah, look at it. Never. I like that first word right there. Never. That's a strong word. Never be lacking in zeal, intensity, excitement. Never be lacking. But, now you got to, Catch this because this is something that only you and I can do. The last thing I would want is to start out good and end up bad. The last thing I think anybody would want is to have their life amount for nothing. Is to come to the end of their life never impacting, never helping, never reaching, never inspiring the life of another human being. Nobody wants that at the end of their life. Nobody wants to have a good start and a bad finish, but people want to have a stronger finish than they ever had a start. And this applies, he said, never be lacking, never be lacking, never be lacking in zeal, but, that's only something you and I can do, but keep your spiritual fervor, your fire, your intensity, your passion, serving the Lord. Now, how are you going to do that? Several years ago, uh, Ginger and I were in the, uh, the nation of Mozambique. We've been there many times. We've done a lot of work up in the northern part of Mozambique, and we were in a city called Nakala, right on the Indian Ocean, right on the coast. It's a harbor community right there. And from there, we were going to take this boat. We were with some uh, local, it's a Bible college up there, church planting Bible school. 
And we were, they wanted us to take this boat, and I'm telling you, this is the same boat that Jesus used to cross Galilee. There was, and, and, and I'm serious, they're all hand-carved, the, the sail's a bed sheet. And you jump on this thing, you hang onto the edge, you never know who's gonna jump in there with you, his bicycles are hanging out. That's the only difference between nowadays and 2,000 years ago with the bicycle. And we're gonna go across to this island. And the reason why they wanted us to go to this island was there was a little church plant underneath a mango tree. And so we were gonna hike out there and get underneath that mango tree and share the gospel with this small, brand new church plant. But what they told us before we left is that particular island has the strongest strain of malaria that exists. I thought that's comforting, that's comforting. Now, I don't know how much you know about malaria. I've been in a lot of malaria infested areas. Malaria is still the number one killer in the continent, especially the subcontinent of, uh, of Africa. But malaria, it's, it's only, it's, it's carried, the only way you can get it is by a female mosquito, by the way. Now the difficulty is to know the difference between a female and a male. I've never have figured that one out. There must be a difference because males don't carry it. But, they, but it has a strain to it. So there's weak strains of malaria and there's strong strains. And the stronger strains, of course, are just more deadly. And if it goes undetected, it turns into what's called cerebral malaria. It goes to your brain. And that's when most people die as a result of it, when it, when it goes from the body or hatches out and has a two-week incubation period. Then it breaks out in the liver and then it'll travel to your brain, kill you. But anyhow... So they, they, they told us this, and they said, but, but we're going to give you a course of medicine afterwards and, uh, and little instructions that if in two weeks, because it has a two-week incubation period, if you feel these type of symptoms, just take the course. It's a three-day course three times a day. Now, there's all kinds of drugs that can treat malaria. The difficulty with any drug I want you to listen to me. Any pharmaceutical drug is processed. So you, and, and malaria is not processed, it's organic. It can morph. All diseases have the ability to change what they can do. So they can beat any pharma, they might not beat it the first time. They might not beat it the second time, but they'll morph. And when they morph, then the pharmaceutical company has to come up with a new drug because the disease just outsmarted the pill. Are you with me so far? I got a point to all this, hang on. Except, and I like this, I like this, except what they gave us. What they gave us is called artemeter. It comes from the Chinese wormwood. It dates back over 2,000 years, and it's not processed. It's organic by nature. And it has the ability to change, to morph itself with any strain of malaria and kill it within three days. And so they give you this course as a result of it. And when I thought of that and thought of that through the years, I said, evil is not dead by nature. Evil is alive. And if you try to kill it with a produced or processed Christianity, it will outthink it and it'll morph 
and change its strain every single time. The only way to combat a living evil is with a stronger substance, which is a living God. Because what he's not produced, he's not processed. And when you take him and you allow the spirit of God to come out or to, to be what he's meant to be, it's not a processed Christianity. It's not a concept Christianity. It's not a, just a, a liturgy Christianity. It's not just reciting certain things at certain times. It's a living, vibrant God that can outsmart, beat, and destroy evil at any time because it's smarter than it. It outthinks it. It will change with any strain that the world might have and beat it every single time. And you cannot combat, you cannot combat and live successfully with a produced, processed, dead faith. There has to be something alive and Are you with me so far? And live and living within it. And I want to talk about that. I want to talk about So how do you do that? How do you do that? Well, the moment you put God, there was a guy years ago. He was born in a box. He was crippled. And uh, he had all these older brothers and sisters, and they put him in a box, and they carried him all around the house. He had never seen a reflection of himself until he was about five or six years old. They propped him up one time in front of a mirror. They all left. And when he propped him up in front of a mirror, he saw a reflection of himself. But when he saw the reflection of himself, he didn't see himself inside of a box. And he would wiggle every time his brothers and sisters would leave and leave him alone in that box. He would wiggle until he would fall out of the box and then he would try to scoot across the floor. They'd pick him up, reprimand him, stick him back in the box. They would leave. He would wiggle and fall out of the box and wiggle again. He kept doing it until finally he gained strength in his legs. And later on, he began to walk. When he was 80 years old, he became a very wealthy man. He donated the Space Needle in Seattle, Washington to the city of Seattle. When he was older, his pastor went up to him and he said, before you die, would you like to tell the world anything? He said, yeah, get out of your box. Sometimes you got to wiggle. Sometimes you got to push. Sometimes it takes effort. Sometimes you're surrounded by people that want to put you back in the box that they've tried to create for your life. Don't let anybody build your life. They'll always build it too small. Let God, con are you with me so far? So how do you get to that place where Christianity, where the life of God within you is no longer stale? I used to, uh, I had one, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I got several weaknesses, but one of them was I loved, I don't do it anymore, Andrew, except on occasion to eat glazed donuts have you ever had a glazed my wife found them one time they were that big i'd eat the whole thing i see there's something about a glazed donut when it comes out of an oven it literally glistens in the light creates such hunger that it calls out your name You've got to eat it. But you can only, the only drawing power of a glazed donut is when it comes out of the oven. Because if it sits overnight, I don't know how it happens, but it 
loses all of its glaze and it becomes old, wrinkled, and stale. Like a lot of people's lives, they get stale. They lose the glistening power of the glaze. That donut's only attractive when it's glistening with the glaze in the sunlight. From that point on, it's worthless. Are you with me? There's got to be a glaze, something inside that's still glowing. And that's what we want back. In our, are you with me so far? You're with me so far. So how do you do that? There's an interesting story in the Old Testament about an individual by the name of Joseph. More is said about him. I think there's, I forget how many chapters, but more is said about him than any other individual in the entire Old Testament. And I'm not going to go through the story other than to say when you read about him, you'll see a phrase that will appear five different times describing his life. And it says this, it says, and the Lord was with Joseph. And the Lord was with Joseph. I love what it says, but I also love what it doesn't say. It doesn't say that a concept was with Joseph. It doesn't say that just a good idea was with Joseph. That's not what put him over. The guy went from a, a prison to become the prime minister of the most powerful nation on earth because the Bible said the Lord, the Lord, the Lord was with. Not an idea, not a concept, not a philosophy, not just a great thought. You can have a lot of great thoughts and they're good. You can have a lot of a good philosophy. That might be great. You can have a lot of great ideas, but that's not going to put you over. So the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. That was the distinguishing point in his life. Now you tie that into another thought that's found in the epistle of John, his first epistle. It's fascinating. It says, my eyes have seen him. My ears have heard him, and my hands have handled him, touched him. He is the word of life. My eyes have seen him. I got to come down here. I got to come down here after a while. I got to talk to them. I might, be, I might not show up on that screen. That's all right. I can see you better. My eyes. You never know what I'm going to do, so just sit tight. I might call on you. My eyes have seen him. My ears hurt him, my hands, touched him. He's the word of life. The Bible said that the Lord was with, was with Joseph. Now, let me ask you a couple questions. Let's just suppose that I, uh, what, what's your name? Huh? Arnold. Stand up, Arnold. Let me ask you a question. You like to eat? Huh? Everybody likes to eat, man. Okay, now, Arnold, let me move over here as I get close to you, buddy. Um, let's just say, let's just say that, that, that after the service, I'm going to take you out to the best restaurant in Berlin, and you can eat anything you want. I'm paying for it. I got money, man. I got credit cards all over. I said, what do you like to eat? What do you like to eat? What do you like to eat, Arnold? 
Chicken, come on, do better than chicken. We got chickens everywhere. What do you like? I mean, I mean, I mean I'm talking to the best. What do you like to eat? Steak? You like steak? Stand up. Okay, we got a chicken guy here now. So any I'm paying for. So price is no object. So, 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 and then all of a sudden, Arnold, Arnold, is it Arnold, right? Arnold, I begin to think, now wait a minute, wait a minute, buddy, wait a minute. God, I forgot I can't go. But I'm, I, I want you to go and eat. I'm still paying for it. I'll give you cash this time. I don't want you to give my credit card. I'll never get it back. But I mean, I want you to go anyhow. And when you're sitting in that restaurant and that chicken comes sizzling with the heat permeating and the smell filling your nostrils and your saliva glands beginning to pulsate. At that moment, the only thing I ask Buddy, the only thing I ask, call me up and tell me what it tastes like. Would you do that? No. Yeah, you would. You're going to tell me what it tastes like. Would you do that? I'm paying for it. Yeah, that's all I ask. Call me up, tell me what it tastes like. Okay, sit down. Now, let me ask, let me ask, let me come over here. Let me come over here. I'm looking, I'm, I, 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 it's going to get dangerous here. Let's just say I come up to your pastors. And I said, you know what? You know what, guys? I, I, I feel so generous. I feel so generous. We want to take you on. We're going to all four of us go on the greatest vacation of your life. Anywhere you want to go, paint for it. I got money. Where do you want to go? Hawaii. We got a smart one here. And then I think to myself, we think, oh, my gosh, we forgot. We forgot. We can't go. I never hit a woman. Never hit senior leaders. Just junior seniors. But anyhow, but I want you guys to go in here. I'm still paying for it. I'm still paying for it. I'm still paying. And, and Pastor Steve, the only, uh, uh, the, I can't, but I'm paying first class. And the only thing I'm asking is when you guys get there. And the sun is setting. And you're walking along the beach. And that gentle breeze is blowing. The sky is that gorgeous red. And you can hear the rustle of the palm leaves. And the sweet smell coming from the flowers. At that moment, the only thing I want you to do is call me up. Just call me up. Call me up. Tell me what it's like. Would you do that? Yes, 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 yes. Yes, 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 yes. How many, how many single guys we got in here? We got single, single. You've never been married. You're not married. Put your hand up. You're not married. This is going to be dangerous. Let me, let, me get, uh, let me get Andrew up here. You're quicker. Too hard to get people down. Let me, I know you're married, but come down here. Now, now you got a good friend right here. A good, yeah, a friend, a friend. I uh, can't see. Arnold, he's my friend. <laughs> Arnold's your friend? Sure. Arnold feels like we've attacked him already. We got to get, we got somebody else? Uh, Britta, she's a good friend of mine. That's a lady there. Right there. Yeah. 
Get over here real quick. No, I don't want a woman. I got to have a guy. No, 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 no. I got to have a guy. I got to have a guy. I got to have a guy. Conrad, get up here quick. My God. Now, let's just, let's just say, okay, I want you to stand right over here. I want you to stand right, right, right there, right there, right. Conrad. That's Conrad. Stand over there, buddy. Yeah, right over here on this side, this side. No, 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 this side, this side, yeah. Now, I know you're married to Vera, but let's just go back in time prior to marriage. Yeah, yeah, you will. And you laid eyes on her. And you asked that question, Vera, would you marry? And she said, yes. And then we came to that day of the wedding and Conrad's your best man. And we got to that one point. Did your dad do the wedding? Yep, yep, Pastor Steve got to that point and you were so excited because you were longing for that one, that one point in this wedding where he said, Andrew, Andrew, you can now kiss the bride. And at that moment, you looked at your watch he said, I'd love to, but I've got an appointment. And you turned to Conrad. And you say, can you do me a favor? Kiss her for me. And the only thing I'm asking is when you kiss her, call me up and tell me, would you do that? No, you wouldn't do that. And would you do that? No. You guys can sit down. You guys, no, no. Now listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. I don't want to know. So sad you like chicken. Man, I got to find somebody like saying, I don't want to know. I don't want to know what food tastes like. I don't want to know what it tastes like. What do I want to know what food tastes like? I want to taste it. I don't want to know and hear about their experience in Hawaii. I want to experience it. And when I got married, nobody kiss my wife but me the bible says my eyes have seen him my ears my ears my ears my ears i don't want to just come and hear about what god can do i just don't want to hear i might hear it but that hearing has to create within me a desire something that says I want my eyes to see him. I want my ears to hear. I want my hands. God has got to be. The Bible said, taste and see that he is good. God has to be experienced, not just heard about, not just talked about, but our God is living, alive. And if you and I want an organic, out-of-the-box Christianity, you got to push in. you got to lean in. you got to say, I'm not content just to hear about it. I'm not content just to sing about it. I want to see God. I want to feel God. I want to experience God. And when that happens, Chris, your life takes a dimension that my God, nobody. Listen, I have brought more people to different nations through, the, uh, through my life time and there's nothing in the world like seeing somebody see and come in contact with the living God it revolutionizes their life up until that time I don't want to be content I don't want to begin hearing about stuff I want to do it I want to hear about this I want to do it I don't want to hear about food I want to eat food I don't want to hear just hear about God the hearing has to create the appetite and the appetite in me has to say 
I'm not content to sit anymore. I want to experience what God has. I want these eyes to see him. I want these ears to hear him. I want these hands to touch him. And Christianity moves itself into, a, into an arena where nobody can take it out of your heart. It is alive and living. There's another thing you and I need to do. It has to be a, an ongoing passion and an ongoing purpose that you get up for every day. You know, when you look at the, uh, at the um, winter, winter Olympics, winter Olympics, I like, to follow, I like to follow any Olympics. I enjoy them. And there's one country that wins per capita in the Summer Olympics more medals than any other country. It's Australia. On per capita, they beat everybody per capita. They wipe out America. But because, because they, they hardly anybody lives there. So per capita, the Summer Olympics, they're great swimmers because they're surrounded by, you know, sharks. So they, they, they had to learn how to swim. I mean, you got to swim a great white if you're going to live there. And so, um, but, but, in the Winter Olympics, they suck. They do. The Aussies are horrible. There doesn't snow. But it all was about to change by a guy by the name of Stephen Bradbury. Oh, yeah. He was a speed skater. He did the 1,000 meter. He's an Aussie from Queensland, outside, of Bris outside the city of Brisbane. And he, the guy had a purpose. He would not give up. Now, he was never the best speed skater. But the guy woke up every day with a purpose. Woke up every day with a passion. And he, he, uh, uh, in, his, in his speed skating career, he was impaled at one time, lost four liters of blood. That's a lot of blood. Had to have 111 stitches. And then two years later, he was speed skating and broke his neck. Doctors told Bradbury, you'll never skate again. But that didn't stop him. And so with... Uh, Minus four liters of blood and a broken neck, he ended up in 2002 in the Winter Olympics in Salt Lake City, Utah. Of course, he had his blood back and his neck was healed. He got to the semifinals. Now, you got to place one or two in the semifinals to go to the finals. Bradbury came in number three. So that knocked him out of contention. Until something unusual happened. The guy that came in number two was disqualified. That pushed Bradbury to the number two slot. So there he was, February the 16th, 2002, 8.47 p.m. Five guys lined up, and there's Bradbury. We got the American guy named Ono. I don't know if you remember him or not. The half-Asian guy named Ono. He's there. Bam! They start, and I don't know anything about speed skating, but they start going around that oval. And, and every time they made a lap, Bradbury's further behind. And he wasn't that good, but the guy wouldn't stop. 
They make another loop, and he's a little bit further behind. They make another one, he's a little bit further behind. They're coming in to the last lap. You ever watch those things? You ever watch those speed skaters? I mean, they're, they're leaned in like that. They're bent like this, and they're coming in that last one. I mean, like this, and they're all crowded now. They're all, all, there's five of them, but four of them are bunched up because Bradbury's half a length behind them. I mean, obviously he's not gonna win, and they're all bunched up, fighting, jockeying, is trying to break out of the pack to see which one's gonna win. And as they come into that last turn, and their bodies are bent like that, and they're all bunched up, the Chinese skater falls. And when he falls, he takes out the whole pack, and every four of them are laying on the ground, Bradbury opens his eyes, they get about that big, and he realizes he's the last man standing because he's so far behind. He cruises to the finish line, and he becomes the first Australian in history to bring home the gold medal in the Winter Olympics. Are you with me so far? Now look at this scripture, look at this scripture. I love it, in Ecclesiastes, Chapter 9, verse 11, he says, I have observed something under the sun. The, I love this scripture. I love, look at it, look at it. The fastest runner doesn't always win the race. I like that, I like that, I like that. The strongest warrior doesn't always win the battle. The wise sometimes go hungry and the skillful are not necessarily wealthy and those who are educated this is the this is the part i like more than any of them those who are educated don't always live successful lives it is listen listen it is all decided by chance by being at the right place at the right time there's one thing you got to understand the word chance it, or, or, it's not in the bible it's the word quora is the original word there's no such, and it means a God-appointed time to the man or the woman that won't give up, to the man or the woman that gets up every day with a beating passion and a beating purpose on the inside of their life that begins to say, God, you put me here for a specific reason, and I'm not leaving until I fulfill it. To that man and to that woman, that, that there's something that's gonna happen and the day's gonna happen because you won't give up. You're gonna sail across that finish line. You're gonna get to that place where you finish strong in God because when your purpose and your passion become that real and you keep getting up regardless of the, you know, the loss of blood or a broken neck, you're gonna sail into the victory of God.